We're your favorite hosts, bringing the most interesting topics of the week to discuss and ask the question, is this true, lies, or shenanigans? And of course, we always try to have fun with shenanigans of our own along the way with amazing guests, games, and spirited conversations. My name is Neo Nix. For this week's show, we have two guests. The first is our Spotlight for Black History Month radio show host and estate planning lawyer, attorney Ethel Mitchell. She'll be telling us about the value of estate planning and passing on wealth, particularly in the Black community. And our second amazing guest is a zookeeper at the famed Toronto Zoo in Canada, Ms. Rebecca Clark. She'll share with us some of her wildest experiences as our hosts ask questions about some of the challenges during the pandemic. In our quick fire, our topics will be the truckers in Canada still going at it. Historically Black colleges and universities receiving a slew of bomb threats, and the infamous Rudy Giuliani being unmasked on The Masked Singer. And in Shenanigans the Game Show, it's quick and dirty. Before we get into the show, let me introduce you to our amazing hosts for the next hour. We have first up our gamer, tech guru, rock star with the rock band Fallen Machine, Coming to you from Sudbury, Ontario, Mr. Robbie Ross. What's up, what's up, everyone? Happy Sunday, fun day. It's still very much winter here uh, in Canada. We got about another foot of snow yesterday, but it was like fluffy stuff, so it wasn't too heavy to move around. Had an awesome week. I discovered that my granddaughter is very much a Lego kid, like I was. And we just had an unbelievable hour just Playing with her new set, money. Awesome. You know, I never could get into Legos. I, they, they just got too frustrating for me. Maybe <laughs> <So. laughs> oh, I'm just bad. They, I got frustrated with Legos. I can never put together the thing right. How? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I just never put it together right. I always, then I started just creating my own stuff anyway. So was never that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that's so. the beauty of it. <laughs> Yeah. All right. We have our college student, guitarist, and aspiring comedian coming to you from the campus of the University of Maryland, Miss Ellen Dahl. Hello, hello, hello. All the, me and my fellow students right now are in the Monday of the semester. We're on our third week and we're all trying to convince ourselves that we're students because we haven't gotten back into the swing of things yet. We're all just kind of pretending that we're still on winter break. So <laughs> pray for us because things aren't going well. Oh, wow. <laughs> we're, we're all tricking ourselves into thinking that it's okay to relax, which is why I'm here. So. Yeah, I remember being in school a few years. I mean, I was just like, not fun. No, especially, when, especially when, when you're coming off of a break. <laughs> so it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You got, you got spring break coming up. Look forward to that. Yeah, sure. There's always, they always give you work to do over spring break anyways. They're like, just don't come to school, but, you know, continue to do things for us. It's like, all right, guys. I'm sure you, that's, to that's why it's called reading week here. That's why it's called reading week. It's not <laughs> yeah, that's more it's honest. <laughs> that's honest. I like that. All right, and sitting in for Miss Liz E, we have the beloved and highly opinionated mom, pet lover, and the best veterinarian I know, Dr. Robin Johnson. 
Hi, everybody. Good to see you. It's been another week of saving the fuzzies and ready to get into this. <laughs> saving the fuzzies. So how was it this week? <laughs> um, it was, uh, it was, we had, I think I had my smallest patient ever was like 3.5 pounds. <laughs> so a dog or cat? What was that? It was a very tiny dog. <laughs> very, very tiny wow. dog. Oh, I thought you I thought you take care. I've seen some pictures where you had like a turtle or something or like a uh actually yeah, I mean, yeah, they did send me pictures. I wasn't at work, but we did we apparently have a goat there right now, so I'm missing the goat. <laughs> goat. Uh, so we, uh, our guest our guest is perfect for you today then because we have our zookeeper here today. So <laughs> I know. Perfect, perfect guest for you. All right, so you may notice Johnny Storm is off today. She's recording an episode of Beyond the Scars podcast. It's real people with real stories of perseverance. So their last episode featured Shermanica, who grew up with a drug-addicted mother, followed by decades of repeated violent spousal abuse. You can hear her story and all of the stories of tragedy, pain, and hardship, and how each person was able to survive and persevere including our own Robbie Rock's story, who tells his story of the after effects of suicide. So subscribe on Spotify, Facebook, Google, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can simply go to www.beyondthescars.show. Okay, we have a jam-packed show, so uh, let's get started. It was our first show of Black History Month, and you remember last season we spotlighted the likes of First Black Olympics rower or kill abdullah and the youngest member this is my favorite the youngest member of the little rock nine carlotta walls lanier so this season we're going to spotlight guests who are carving out their own space in black history and have them share with you the lessons they've learned in our spotlight for black history month spotlight for Black History Month is on attorney Ethel Mitchell. Hey, welcome attorney Mitchell. How are you? Welcome. Welcome to our humble little podcast. Attorney Mitchell is an estate planning attorney in the Washington, D.C. suburban Maryland area. And she also is the host of two radio programs on the Radio One Network in the D.C. area. You can hear her on WOL 1450 AM and 95.9 FM, Saturdays from 8.30 to 10 a.m. It's Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, where she has special guests to talk about, you guessed it, law. (laughs) (laughs) You can can also subscribe right now to her podcast, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Attorney Mitchell, once again, we thank you so much for joining us. All right. So my first question before we get into your lauded history, uh, can you tell the audience just one thing that we can't Google about you right now? Oh, sure. I am an Mm -hmm. avid, almost rabid Formula One fan. I absolutely love it. A lot of Americans don't realize that the seven-time world champion is a Black man. Lewis Hamilton is a seven-time world champion of Formula Mm -hmm. One. He's considered by me the list of all times, you know? He almost made it eight times this year. And that would have been more than anybody ever. ever. Have you met him? 
No, I haven't met him. I've I've been to a couple of races, but I haven't met him. I'd love to, but no. so what is it like at those races? What is it like? I mean, I mean, I've, I've been to that. I haven't been to a NASCAR race, but I've been in a NASCAR. Oh wow! Cool. That's cool. It's very exciting. It's very loud. It's very noisy. It's lots and lots of people. I've been to Canada. I went to the um, one in Montreal. In Montreal, wonderful. Yeah, I went to the one in Texas, which was huge. I think it's the biggest one. They had three hundred eighty thousand people, I think, and it's just exciting. It's very, very exciting. It really is. So, oh, yeah. I it's now on American cable TV. So you when, when they start in March. You can find it on American TV and they go all around the world, all around the world. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. I about it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah. I, I'm sure we could not have Googled that about you for sure. All right. So my first question is, you know, you've been in law for about 25 years and helping families plan out their legacies since what, 2003? Um, oh, now, then in D.C. in 2003. Oh, so even before then. Wow. I lived in St. Thomas for years. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. How is that? I mean, being in the Caribbean islands. Beautiful. I mean, it's like you can go swimming every day, literally every day. It's really paradise. I said I did my career backwards. People retired to the islands. I started. (laughs) That's my plan. My plan is to retire. So for those out there that might be interested in following your path, can you tell us what your motivation was to get into law and eventually to state planning? And then describe what that road was like being a Black woman. Well, my road was interesting in that I never wanted to be a lawyer. I was not, I, I'm not one of these people that grew up wanting to be a lawyer. No, I had a major advisor. I went to Fisk University and my major advisor, uh, Curia, Professor Curia, uh, arranged for several of his top students to go to a summer program at Harvard Law School. Uh, and it was the beginning of what became CLEAL, but it was where they took some top students from African-American HBCUs, they call them now, and took us into Harvard Law. We went to classes. We got to talk to big lawyers. You know, we went to law firms. We talked to judges. We even talked to... Um, uh, Thurgood Marshall came to one of our meetings wow. and, that, and that was just wow. and so it was like okay maybe this is something I should look into you know and when I got into Columbia Law School I went uh, for three years uh, I did not want to work in New York at the time but I didn't know what else to do so even though I had a job I managed to get a clerkship in St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands with a federal judge and so I went to the islands. And when I got there, I was like, now why should I go back to the cold? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I stayed and I started practicing law. Awesome. I married, my husband was a lawyer. He had been in law school with me. We had two children and uh, it took four hurricanes to blow me out of there. You know, it really did. Uh, <laughs> so I never would do it. Yeah, that's what did it. Uh, I did not have the difficulty Many black women, especially, tell me they have in the United States because the, the, the judges, the government were black and they respected you. Mm-hmm. They, they, they were not disrespectful. They accepted that you were smart 
and mm-hmm. that they respected what you had to say. I mean, so I did totally different environment. Totally wow. different environment. It really was. Mm-hmm. And so I just I'm just I guess I'm lucky, but I really didn't have the kind of problems that I hear a lot of my my sister lawyers have, even now, you know, even now. Cause mm-hmm. um my daughter's a lawyer. Uh she has two two baby sisters. One of them is a lawyer and one of them is here in DC. Uh and she tells me some real difficult stories about how they're treated, you know, and it's mm-hmm. not good. Like what? But I haven't that experience. You don't mind me uh, how is she treated, Michael? What? How is she treated? If you don't mind me asking, most things good, but sometimes there's not the respect that you would expect from you know different parts of the the, the court system. Uh, and I think she's very imp- compassionate, and so she feels for how her defendants, the defendants and her clients are mm-hmm. are also having to deal with stuff. So it's yeah. just a hard system. I never liked criminal law. Yeah. I never did. That some of it I had to in the Virgin Islands, but otherwise I didn't do it. Yeah. But, but I love what planning. I love. I love estate planning because I love families. Mm-hmm. I love, um, uh, you know, I have seen the difference that it makes. I've been doing it long enough now where I'm now on th- three generations of the same families in several cases. So I did awesome. the grandparents trust and their wills and, and how I see how what I did helped to pass down to the children who are now in their fifties, you know, and sixties in some cases, and they've been able to take what their grandparents left them, what their parents left them and expanded on that in many instances, starting their own businesses. They have their own families. They have their own money. And one family in particular just really grew, mm-hmm. you know, from what uh, the, the, the parents left them. And now their children who are now in their thirties and forties, are being able to build on that same foundation. Mm-hmm. And that's what estate planning does. Yeah. And and that's why I love it so much. I really do. It makes a big difference. You know, a lot so, of clients tell me it makes a difference. Yeah. So in a past life, I used to sell life insurance. Okay. And uh, I mean, it was years ago, but you know, past life. So, but uh-huh. one thing I noticed in sitting, I sat with black families, white families, Asians, Latinos, I found one striking thing with black families. Um, mm-hmm. and of course, not all families, but generally speaking, is it was a hesitancy to talk about death. And on top of that, a limited knowledge of the importance of uh, passing on wealth. Yeah. Now, I know certain ethnic groups have a history of talking money, business, wealth, dinner table, or at least that's what they've been generalized to be doing. But that wasn't happening in my family, particularly. And I hear from many black families in my generation that wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. I am seeing it happening more now, but my mm-hmm. question is, can you talk a bit about the value of passing on wealth and then tell me what you're seeing these days in the Black community versus previous generations? Well, one of the things that, let me give you some statistics, which surprise me that we don't often hear. Uh, according to Pew Research, there are 46.8 million people in the United States who identify as African-Americans roughly 14% of the country, 47% of them own their own homes. Okay. According to uh, Wikipedia, six of 10 men, black men will make it into the middle class. 27% of black people in general earn an income between 25 and 50,000, 15 earn between 50,000 and 75,000, 7.6% earn between 75,000 and a hundred thousand. 
and fully 9% earn over $100,000. There are 8% of U.S. millionaires are African-American. So that means that there are almost 1.7 million African-American millionaires. So there's a lot more money in the African-American community than we realize. And what I'm starting to see is that people, especially like in this area, in the D.C. metropolitan area, are beginning to see how valuable, especially their properties are. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody told people that their house would go for $600,000. And that's not uncommon. I've had clients have sold properties that they inherited that their parents bought for $20,000, they sell them for eight and $900,000. And so wow. in order to pass that wealth on, you've got to put it in writing. And, oh. and a lot of African-Americans are good savers. That's, a, that's something we aren't told. But they really save well. And mm-hmm. because true. a lot of African-Americans are in, once discrimination reduced itself where more of our young people could go into good jobs. Now they've got 401ks. Investing. They've got life insurance. Mm-hmm. They've they they still a lot of people invest in their 401ks. They really do. They we've really taken advantage of that. And so by doing that, people will walk in the office and they got three and four hundred thousand dollars in their 401k. Mm-hmm. You see, that doesn't even count life insurance. It doesn't count the value of their house. It doesn't count the value of brokerage, you know, uh, uh, accounts. And so the idea that you need to do something to make sure that wealth goes where you want it to go is beginning to get more traction in our community. And a lot of people have horror stories about, you know, families that lost everything because so-and-so died and they didn't have a will or Somebody stole the money or stole the property or whatever. And and I must say, COVID made everybody realize you don't get out of here alive. You just don't. You know, you're going to leave. You're, gonna leave. you're not going to take nothing with you. You know, and like I say on my show, somebody's going to live in your house. And somebody's going to Okay. I, that's just the reality of it. So you might as well control it by having a will, having a trust, and making sure that it goes the way you want it to go. Absolutely. But it's still, it's an evolution. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's something that more people are starting to do as they realize they got something to leave. Yep. And it makes a big difference. It really does. Yeah. Let me, um, let me get Rob B. Rock in here. I see we, we have Michael Template on saying watching, he's watching from Louisiana. That's oh, awesome. Thank you. Michael Taylor. Raised in Louisiana. <laughs> What's your question, Robbie? Um, so just a, a quick one. What tips do you have for someone who isn't sure how to start, where to begin? Well, number one, go to a lawyer. Don't try and do these documents yourself. Don't try to get a form or have it done online. I've had too many people bring to me after somebody dies mm. a will. And it's not, you can't get it admitted into court, you know? And, and so go to a lawyer, please. Um, make sure your beneficiary designations are what you want. That's a biggie. That's very simple to do. So if you have life insurance, if you have retirement accounts, if you have, like most people do, okay, bank accounts, 
as long as your beneficiaries are adults and you don't want to put any kind of, you know, limitations on when they can get it, just fill out the beneficiary forms. So let's say you have a life insurance policy. I'm sure mm-hmm. they can tell you if you have a life insurance policy and you want your wife or your children who are adults, um, be careful with minors. It's a little bit different. But as long as you're, you you want minors, I mean, sorry, adults to be the beneficiaries, just name them on your beneficiary yep. po- of your insurance policies, your, your retirement accounts, even on your bank accounts. Every bank account has a payable on death beneficiary designation. Mm-hmm. Fill it out. It really makes it much easier for everybody that you, you are leaving behind. Okay. Me- and do it while you're young. You can always change these things. Young me- people have a tendency think that they're not going to die. Yeah. Trust me, it will happen. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this question. So if, let's say, for example, um, I fill out those beneficiary uh, forms and I change my mind and I write it in a will, does the will uh, no. beneficiary form override? Huh? Overrides the, the, the will. Okay. So those beneficiary forms are important. Those are very so important. Yeah. They are what you want them to be. Another thing that a lot of people don't realize, if you are married, you a lot of people, especially men, assume that their wife is going to get everything. The law doesn't work like that. Every state is different. But the wife, unless you say so, either in a will or on your beneficiary designation, the wife does not get everything. If you have children, the children are going to share. And if they're minors, the wife may not be the guardian of the money for the children. That doesn't happen that way. And if you, even if you don't have children, your parents inherit with your wife. Okay. Okay. And that's a big surprise to a lot of people because I've had husbands come to me and they assume that when their wife died, hello, yes, that's why I'm saying it. There are a lot of men who assume that when they die, their wife is going to get everything. (laughs) If you don't have a will, or her name is not on your bank account or and on your on your uh, the property title, you know, for your house, mm-hmm. then she will have to share with your parents. Mm. And I've had several mm. situations where the, the parents don't get along with the spouse mm-hmm. and it's just a royal mess. It really that. is. Yeah. <laughs> right. I can't have that. Yeah. So you gotta protect Okay, yeah, you got <laughs> And so if you, you should have a will, you should go to a lawyer. If you, if you are married or you're in a significant relationship, it doesn't have to be married, but if you live with somebody, y'all put your money together, you're paying your bills together. And that's who you would want to get your money. Or that's who you'd want to get the house that you're buying together or whatever. Do a will. And make sure they do a will that says, when I die, I want this person to get my stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then go through your beneficiary designations, your life insurance, your, you know, transfer on death is what it's called when it's a brokerage account, your retirement accounts, all those things, because it makes a huge difference. It really does. Yeah. It really does. So Jacqueline Robinson online says, my husband sold life insurance and his book, quotes, Insisted mostly of black folks who only thought life insurance was for burial purposes. Trying yeah. to sell whole life and universal policies was like pulling teeth. And that's what I was running into as well. Yeah. It, was, it was the whole sense of 
the only reason you get life insurance is to bury someone. And it was well, had to re-educate. Uh, and even then, and even then, it it was hard to for them to hear that. Um, you, you have to understand that's cultural. Yeah. That a lot of us don't know our own history, and so let me just tell you a little bit about that. The first, I don't, I shouldn't say the first, but one of the first black millionaires was a Mr. Gaskin in Alabama, and he made his his money. Uh, he didn't. He started out with quarters. He started out poor. His mother cleaned houses and all. And what used to happen was when black people died, there was no money to bury them with, and they would have to collect mm-hmm. money to bury somebody. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even today, when somebody dies, I remember my mother died. I got checks for twenty five dollars mm-hmm. because that was how people used to do it. Okay. Years ago, they would put together to bury each other, mm-hmm. and so. Gaskin came up with the idea of if everybody gave me a quarter for each pay period, I would guarantee you that you would have a good burial, a decent burial. And 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 you should read his book. That's how he started. And he became a million, a multimillionaire in Alabama. And he actually uh, financed a lot of the civil rights stuff, you know, with Martin Luther King and so on like that. But in our, our tradition, it was very important to have a decent burial. And so insurance became the way in which we did that. Okay. So that, that's where that's from. We don't, we don't know about using insurance as a way of gathering um, capital for the next, you know, of, of growing wealth. Yeah. Uh, we, we are not taught how to, that money is supposed to be used to make money. That's a mindset that we haven't quite, a lot of people haven't. I mean, not just black it's people. It's not just a lot black of white people. people. It is not just you know, black people. Yeah. A lot of white people don't think mm-hmm. about money to have that money making money for you. Yeah. That's a, that's a transition that most of us are not taught. Okay? But I will say, I mean, I, I agree it's not just black people, but I will say culturally speaking, when I was sitting down with, uh, say, an Asian family or a white family, it was just like, they got it immediately. Yes. They were, t- they were, shoot, they were asking me questions about like, you have this type of insurance, you have that, you have this investment. And I'm like, oh yeah, heck yeah. You know, and <laughs> whereas if I was talking to a black family, it was, it was, uh, it, there was a lot of convincing, a lot of teaching, yeah. a lot of, uh, but, mm-hmm. but it wasn't every black family. Like you said, this, I, I'm, it's a generalization, but it's not a reality for all families. It's not reality for yeah. all, because there were some well-educated black people that I sat down with that were. Again, just like um, some of the white families saying, "Hey, yeah, I want this insurance. I like that insurance. Tell me about it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we are really short on time. So um, what I like to do, I mean, unfortunately, I didn't get to Dr. Robbins and Ellen's question. We can bring you back if you'd like to join us again, uh, Tony Mitchell, because we there's so much, so many questions. Oh. I think. We could ask you. We could probably keep you on here for like two hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Just let me know. Okay. I'd really be glad to be back. Yeah. I want to thank you thank for you. joining us but and telling your story. But yeah. are there any final words that you have for everyone out there? Get a will. Keep <laughs> 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 it Will, okay. Do your beneficiary designations and, and, and take care of this. It's really important especially when you have children, but, but take care. That's part of your responsibility for taking care of the next generation. It's an act of love. It really is. I mean, people don't realize that taking really care of 
your family, whether it's just your spouse or your significant other, certainly your children, just do it. And then yeah. it's done. You can always change it. I mean, so just, just gone and- one little tip. So, I mean, as soon as I got it, right, because I had I wasn't taught these things growing up, but as soon as I got it, I immediately got a million dollar policy. I had no children. I wasn't had no family. I was just like, you know, I'm going to get a million dollars and I'm going to mm-hmm. make sure that when I have my family, we are good to go. And, you know, and I've I mean, it's it's just something once you realize the value, it's it's a mm-hmm. fantastic thing. It's Again, yeah. thank you very much for joining us. Attorney Ethel case. Mitchell, make sure you check out her show, uh, Law Talk with Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Also the podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. All right. Again, don't forget, subscribe to Attorney Ethel Mitchell's podcast, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. Great guest. Great guest. A lot of good information. And do those things before you get sick because it's a mess when it's after that. Crazy. Yeah. All right. And we have a treat for you guys. She's been waiting in our green room for quite some time. (laughs) She's like, she's probably like, Mm -hmm. hurry up, hurry up. (laughs) (laughs) But we have a second guest, and this is a fun one. Today's spotlight is on Rebecca Clark, Toronto Zookeeper. Hey, welcome to the show, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. I'm very excited to be here. All right. So joining us today is a zookeeper, Rebecca Clark. She works at the famed Toronto Zoo. She's also an avid yogist. And we are thrilled to have her joining the show to talk about what's going on at the zoo and in her life. Thank you again for joining us, coming on our humble podcast, Rebecca. (laughs) So before we move forward, I got to ask you, can you tell us something that if I went to Google right now and typed in Rebecca Clark Zookeeper, what would not show up? Anything? Um, Probably that I don't have a TV. Um, so I really like learning new things. So most of my free time from not having a TV, I spend reading and taking different courses and, uh, trying out different movement practices. So wow. yeah. I, I need to like, uh, yeah, get rid of my TVs cause I waste, <laughs> I waste so much time. I, you know, my mother used to call it the idiot box. <laughs> she was so right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to actually start off with Dr. Robin, our resident veterinarian. She had a great question for you. Yes. Hi. What are you guys doing to protect the big cats during this pandemic? Um, since a lot of zoos have come down with positive the big cats, the minks um, that have come down after being exposed to people who have COVID. Great question. That is a great question. So um, at the Toronto Zoo, all of the staff have to be fully vaccinated and all of the visitors have to be fully vaccinated as well. So that is the first step that we're taking to protect our animals. Um, They've also put up uh, barriers so that there's no um, aerosolized particles that that are being able to reach the COVID susceptible animals. And we have protocols in place when working with those animals based on the severity of the risk. So um, using N95 masks, wearing gloves. um, Yeah, so so we are taking it seriously. 
Um, they keep adding new animals as COVID progresses. Um, so yeah, there's quite a few species that are actually on the list. Um, but cats seem to be a big one. And in particular, snow leopard, snow leopards seem to be getting hit pretty hard um, mm -hmm. with COVID. So this yeah. is a question for both you and uh, Dr. Robin. So are you seeing a lot of COVID cases, particularly with uh, cats and, and any other animals? Are you seeing a lot of those cases? We have not, luckily, in this area. I mean, the animals, we've tested a few, and luckily all the animals we've tested have come back negative. Um, cats in general are susceptible to coronavirus, period. Like, they have their own coronavirus. They're very susceptible to their own coronavirus. So we're not necessarily surprised to see cats being very high on the list of things if they were going to be any kind of cross that cats are there. And, Rebecca, are you seeing a lot of cases or no? Uh, we actually haven't seen any cases at our zoo. Um, most of the information is coming from other zoos. Um, there's been a lot of stuff coming from the States. So, um, yeah, uh, which isn't surprising. I was, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was Denver just um, had it in their hyena clan. Mm. I'm pretty sure it was Denver. So, yeah, there's been a bunch of different species that are getting it, and we are hoping to start vaccinating um, some of our animals um, as well. So the I, I know in the States, a bunch of the primate groups have been vaccinated against COVID. Mm. So, hmm. yeah, awesome. just trying to do our best to protect the animals in our care. That's awesome. There's one comment online from Rebecca Bell who says, uh, quote, throws out her TV. <laughs> so you are, you already got the word out to at least one person. <laughs> All right, Ellen, did you have a question for Rebecca? Yeah, so this wouldn't be a question if you worked in a zoo in America, because the answer would be yes. But did you guys get any backlash over having vaccine requirements for visitors? Yes, we, we, we did. Um, yeah, I think, I think that that has been challenging. Um, I think, I think some of the other industries have had more backlash though. I think once you start talking about how our animals are susceptible and they currently aren't able to be vaccinated, they can't wear masks. Um, they can't wash their hands. I think when you express the risk and that's one of the main motivators for this, I think People can see it a little bit better, but we still have had people that have been pretty upset by it. And you've been seeing that on our social media platforms and even uh, feedback that the zoo has been getting. So, yeah. That's crazy. Robbie? Um, one of the more interesting impacts that I've seen as far as the pandemic on animals is um, some social animals falling into depression because they're not interacting with the humans that they're used to seeing every day. So I'm just curious if you've seen anything like that at the, at the Toronto Zoo and what methods have you come up with to counter that? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, we've had, we've had stretches where we've been closed to the public because of COVID. And um, we definitely have some species that have been impacted by that. So any of the animals that tend to be highly social, um, the primates and the hyenas are two, two in particular that, that seem to miss having the visitors and the public. Yeah. So one, one of the things that we've been doing to help with that is, um, when the zoo was closed, they were having, um, 
events where they were asking staff members to come up and hang out with the hyenas and uh, hang out with the hang out with the primates just so that they had people to interact with. Um, I think some of the animals have have liked the break and have liked the peace and quiet, and we've definitely seen an increase in the uh, native wildlife. So there's been lots of deer running around site and lots of foxes. So that, that's been cool. But yeah, we've we've been trying to uh, keep them entertained, and um, a bunch of our animals have TVs that they can that they can watch and have, have some sort of visual stimulation. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we also, um, give our animals enrichment and do training with them and, uh, lots of stuff to, to keep them stimulated. Yeah. So you, you, uh, your other passion is yoga, right? Yes. So I, I was, uh, uh, I was, I heard that you are doing yoga at the zoo. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I, um, so because of my industry, and I'm sure Dr. Robin can attest to that as well, um, c- compassion fatigue is a big thing where you're uh, working with other living mm-hmm. things, and that can be really draining. We uh, see hard things. Um, so yeah, I, I have been through a bunch of that at the zoo. So I felt it was very important to kind of teach to teach yoga to staff to help give them an outlet and to help find a way to, to channel some of this emotion. So yeah, it's, oh. it's mainly for staff, but I have done some other okay. um, events so at the zoo. You're doing for staff. So you, but you spoke about, I'm interested now in where you're talking about compassion fatigue. So what, what happens? Can you describe, describe that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think any job where you are providing care, um, it's, it's really challenging because there's, there's a lot of emotion that goes into it. And I think people pick these jobs because we do care and because we do want to make a difference. So I think when, when you're seeing hard things and dealing with hard things on a regular basis, animals dying, um, sick animals, when you're seeing the emotional impact that has on other people, Mm. it, it can just be very heavy. Um, there's also traumatic stuff that happens. And if you are not, finding a way to kind of kind of channel that then it it gets stored in in the body so like trauma trauma work is like another one of my passions um i think it's important to find that release well i'm gonna get to robin second so trauma work is another one of your passions i need to know more (laughs) you keep saying these these words and now i need to know more what what trauma work what is that so So I've uh, been playing around with, um, it's called TRE. So it's trauma release exercises. Mm. So um, emotions Mm. get stored in the body as tension and trauma release work is kind of like a backdoor way to, um, instead of talking, talking about the trauma, it's a way to allow the body to physically release that tension. So Mm. it results in uh, shaking, which is what animals do um to get rid of trauma themselves so if you if you capture an animal and then let let it go it will sit there and shake as humans we've learned to suppress suppress this uh natural ability to release trauma so this is a cool way where we can look at animals and see how they're doing it effectively and ways that we can start to uh to get to get rid of this so we're not storing it and then having health problems down the road as a result of that i love that all right, that's amazing. Yeah, it's cool. 
I want to ask Dr. Robin about this compassion fatigue. Are you dealing with that as a veterinarian as well? Oh, yes. Um, the veterinary field has the highest suicide rate of any professional I didn't um, in, in the world. And a lot of that is due to the fact that we deal with life and death on a regular basis mm-hmm. um, and in such a way that you are, you know, at least in my, you know, my world, um, you're you have a client, which is the human, and then you have your patient, which is the the little four legged, two legged, winged, whatever um, that comes in, and you are balancing the needs of your patient with the needs of your client, and helping your mm-hmm. client through the grieving process, um, mm-hmm. helping your client deal with um, you know bad. Uh, diagnosis and helping them make choices for their loved one who can't talk. And it is taking its toll on members of our profession um, so much. And like we said, we, we um, are battling a lot of depression. They're battling a lot of suicide um, and compassion fatigue is, is a huge, a huge issue right now. And we're trying to find answers and try to find ways. And it's really kind of cool to hear, you know, you're doing like the yoga with your um, your uh, workmates to um, help them deal with that. That's really, really cool. Um, and really exciting to hear that, you know, we're trying to find ways to combat it. So kudos. Thank yeah, you. I can't imagine because Rebecca, Dr. Robin actually, um, my veterinarian and she was I had to put down you know one of my dogs my favorite dog I had the dog when I was like in, you know eight weeks into my little palm of my hand and and I can't imagine I mean that was horrible for me but you know with Dr. Robin being a friend she knows me and then she's probably seeing me react and then she, she knew the dog and so you know I can't imagine what that and now I hadn't I didn't know about the suicide being an issue. I didn't even, I've never even heard the term compassion fatigue. Um, mm-hmm. This is like a, this, and I love what you're doing with the yoga. That's, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, online, we have uh, Paulette Bertrand says, I'm surprised by this info. First time I heard of this. It makes sense though. Uh, Jose says, yeah. holy, I never would have thought of that, a suicide being an issue. Um, and she also says animals are also so vulnerable. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's amazing. So I love what you're doing at the Toronto Zoo. It must be like the funnest job ever, though. I mean, I know you were talking compassion fatigue and we were, we were talking like all these negative things, but it's gotta be fun some days too, right? Oh, it's amazing. It's I I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like we we have such a variety. So I, I get to work with so many different species and I've, I've got to work with a lot of things over the course of my career and got to, got to participate in a lot of really cool opportunities. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the greatest. I get paid to go to work and have fun and share my passion with other people. So it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, we are out of time. Um, so I, I definitely want to thank you so much for joining us. Are there any last words, any last thoughts, any shout outs you want to give anyone? Um, I just want to say that hyenas are the most amazing animals. And if you <laughs> don't know anything about them, then uh, look them up. They have lots of incredible, um, interesting tidbits about them. So, yeah. So do you care That's for hyenas? 
I so used something to. I learned, yeah. Something I learned from Rebecca is that hyenas purr like cats. It's amazing. <laughs> Just this low rumble oh kind of God. purring thing. Are they from the dog family or are they from the cat family? They are kind of like a weird cat dog. They're they're not part of either, but from a physiological <laughs> perspective, they're more closely related to the cat. But my favorite my favorite tidbit about hyenas is that the females have pseudo penises, so they <laughs> look like they look like they have um, an actual penis, and they get erections as well. So, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> why? <laughs> I'll just drop that. It's unnecessary. Wait, before I, before we go, I got to ask you what what is your favorite animal to care for. Um, pro- probably the hyenas. The hyenas, yeah. okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Who are you caring for now? If you're not doing hyenas now, who, who's your animal, your main animal now? Uh, I work with birds of prey, mainly. It's like eagles and hawks and all the good stuff. Yeah. Modern day dinosaurs. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So, Okay. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining us. Wow, this was a Thanks great... Thanks for having me. You know, and again, thank I'd you. love to have you back to talk some more. So if you ever want to come back, you just let... Let us know. We'd love to have you. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you again. And we will talk to you soon. All right. See you. <laughs> Jose says, ooh, cranes. I guess cranes are birds of play, play aren't they? If you're a frog or a fish, for sure. <laughs> That's such a sick name for a, like a subspecies. Birds of prey. <laughs> so intense so intense all right before we get into our quick fire uh let's give a shout out to our sponsor for today's episode utopian lights candles that's utopian with an e utopian lights luxury candles caters to a specific clientele they focus on clients who are on their healing journey to self-love visit utopian with an e lights.co for a healthy glow up Use the code GOALGETTER and you'll receive 25% off your purchase of $45 or more. Again, that's utopian with an E, lights.co, the home of luxury manifestation handle. All right, it's time for Quickfire. Our hosts have some topics to share, but we only have three minutes to discuss and one minute to hear from the audience. So make sure you type in those comments fast. Any topics where our hosts won't shut up, we've got the dreaded mute button. <laughs> and we'll save any of their comments for the after show. All right, let's do it. You're up first, Robbie. Right. Okay, so there's so much happening with the ongoing occupation of Ottawa by the self-named Freedom Convoy, but I want to focus in on just two things. Um, So earlier this week, the GoFundMe cut off funding for the Freedom Convoy organizers because it determined that the campaign violated the site's terms of service due to unlawful activity. Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis tweeted, it is a fraud for GoFundMe to commandeer $9 million in donations sent to support truckers and give it to causes of their own choosing. GoFundMe has issued full refunds, so he's out to lunch on that. Texas Attorney General Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson, also Republican, tweeted: "Patriotic Texans donated to Canadian truckers' worthy cause." 
Um, also, Canadian Indigenous and peoples of color are decrying the lack of response by Canada's police forces, citing the history that they have had with RCMP being deployed to their protests or blockades. So two questions. Why are the Republicans of the U.S. Republicans so invested in Canada's freedom convoy? And I would like for you to share a thought opinion on the systemic racism in response or lack thereof these protesters. All right, Ellen, we'll start with you. Of course, Republicans got into this, right? Like, with, you know, people don't know how to mind their mind their business across across borders. It's at this point, it's just kind of it seems like identity politics. They're like, all right, we'll support these, you know, Canadian essentially insurrectionists because we would want them to do the same. These people aren't going to be, you know, it's a bunch of white people. These people are not going to be, the system is going to let them do their thing, right? They're not going to, you know, these people are seen as brave soldiers in this, you know, greater problem for freedom. But, you know, these people, if these, if these people were any other race, they would be, you know, this would have been shut down immediately. And then Republicans would also get involved in it for, you know, different reasons. So, yeah. Hi, Dr. Robin, what do you think? I think that, you know, right now it just goes to the current system right now of trying to, you know, claim this freedom and play a victim in which you're not. And these mandates and things are in place for health and apparently people just want to die. Um, and we definitely also know that, you know, we have seen time and time again when there are other protests um, with people who look different than the ones that are currently playing victim. They the police are there in full force. Even peaceful. Yeah. Yeah, same thing for, yeah. you know, the, the January 6th, or, you know. Where were the police, but you go in Kenosha and everywhere else, and the police are like in full armor and everything. Robbie, your thoughts? Yeah, it's, um, I know that there's going to be some investigation as far as uh, into what the Republicans have been doing, the funding elements, uh, because if you, if US government bodies are funding these freedom fighters, this occupation, um, then that's a point of contention between our two countries. That's bullshit. Stay in your lane. Absolutely. And really, as far as identifying the systemic racist element in it, it wasn't something that I was really aware of until I really dove into it. And just the lack of response is what's mind blowing, because the RCMP, our federal police force, is very regularly deployed. If there's a blockade, a protest at a pipeline or a railway, uh, when there's indigenous people, it gets tense fast. So this has been a party atmosphere for about a week for the protesters while the people of Ottawa feel like they are under siege. All right. So online, we got uh, Jose said, get out, stay away. GOP needs to leave Canada alone. Republicans are bad rash that spreads. Bunch of white people. So true. (laughs) All right. So what are we calling this? Are we calling this true lies or shenanigans? I got truth and shenanigans. <laughs> I got oh wrong one. <laughs> shenanigans. Shenanigans. What are you saying, Rob? Shenanigans. 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 Uh, Sherry Blaine Priest says, FYI, the Ottawa mayor is declaring a state of emergency this afternoon amid the freedom yep. convoy being underway. Crazy. All right. Dr. Robin Johnson, you wanted to talk about these HBCUs. 
Yes. So um, in the past week, um, several HBCUs have been targeted with bomb threats um, against the campuses that have either closed the campuses or put them on high alert. Um, There was also another rash of it that happened around January 6th. Um, And so my question is, what do we need to do to protect these universities and these kids just trying to get an education? Wow. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's it's crazy. I mean, this world is post-Trump era that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The thing is, before Trump, racism was there. Right? You know, I felt it. I knew it. I'm li- fortunately, I live in a metropolitan area where it's not horrible. But when I leave the metropolitan area, I, I was in North Carolina for um, a couple of years. I lived there, uh, maybe three years, I think it was. And it was so different. Right. Mm. Racism was really horrible. And, you know, the thing about the Trump era is he made it easy to be a racist. You know, he made it easy to be a racist. And so now that's why we have all of these attacks on people of color. We have all I mean, going up and, you know, all of the protests and then, of course, these bomb threats. It's just so easy to attack people. And it's really frustrating. What do you think, Ellen? Um, I don't, I don't know the answer at a larger scale, but I know that a lot of times people leave breadcrumbs on the internet, uh, the kind of people Mm -hmm. who would put out these threats, you know, these people have Reddit accounts, they have Fortran accounts, um, get their asses. Like they, you know, people need to be held accountable for what the, for what they say online and try to connect it to these, these people putting out these threats because they're not coming from nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like like Ellen was saying, like, I really don't know how we can protect these students better immediately. uh, But in the long run, I think that we need to stop banning books. We need to stop banning Mm -hmm. real history. We have to stop banning critical race theory, banning subject matter that leads to ignorance and fear, because that's where we end up. It's... um, it is a post-Trump thing where they've been emboldened, more brazen. It's okay to come out into the light and share your views. And because there's strength in numbers, then, you know, they're just raising the bar just a little bit more. And unfortunately, it, this xenophobic element seems to be ramping up worldwide. I don't think that this is just a U.S. thing, but the fact that this is happening during Black History Month is targeted and it's disgusting. Hi, yeah. Dr. Robin. I'm going to give you a few. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a proud graduate of HBCU, North Carolina a And, you know, we have a longstanding history of even being in the movement, the Greensboro Four. And so this is not something that is new for these schools. Um, and the sad part, though, is that, you know, generation after generation after generation, we are still fighting the same thing. We are still dealing with the same thing. Um, you know, you would think that hopefully, like, you know, in the 60s, they, they did that. They marched. They did those things and that maybe we could be at a different level. But here we are in 2022 and these schools are still receiving these threats and, you know, having to fight the battle all over again. And I really would like to see, you know, a lot of, you know, the kind of the cloak of protection, you know, a lot of those groups that, you know, stand and say they want to be there, you know, I'd like to see the NOI. I'd like to see the Black Panthers. I would just like to see everyday citizens you know, just there to let these students know we're not going to let you guys get hurt and you go ahead and continue your education. Yeah. Mm. It's frustrating just that skin color, a little extra melanin. 
I mean, not even a little extra melanin. I mean, to be honest, melanin is base DNA. <laughs> so, I mm. mean, if you look at, you know, our, our historically, uh, lack of melanin albinism is, you know, a defect from having melanin. So mm-hmm. it's amazing how skin color has become the identifier of this, I mean, mm-hmm. people. Um, yeah, so we have a comment online. Now, this is from Jacqueline Robinson. It's bad enough our houses of worship are threatened. Now we have to worry about our institutions of learning. The timing of these threats is no accident. Uh, of course not. No. Black History Month? Of course not. Uh, Jose says, sad world we live in right now. Uh, because of Trump, we've gone back in time. Totally agree with that. Um, I did hear, I did read that I think they have a couple of suspects. So, um that's good. Yeah, that's good movement. I, I don't know if they've moved on them or what, but I, I heard that. All right, are we calling this truth, <clears throat> lies, or shenanigans? shenanigans. <sighs> Which list was here? This is bullshit. Bullshit. I know. Bullshit. <laughs> Dr. Robin can say this is bullshit. She can say it. Bullshit. Craziness. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our last topic. All right, some of you may or may not know the highly popular show, The Masked Singer on Fox. Basically, it's famous people dressed in costumes and their identities are kept secret from the hosts, audience, and of course, the judges who all try to guess who it is. Well, Trump Lackey, an assistant orchestrator for the January 6th attack, Mr. Rudy Giuliani, was recently revealed. The judges Kim Jong and Robin Thicke angrily left the stage and refused to participate. The Fox Network, who also owns the ultra-white ring Fox News Channel, has a history of using its popular platforms and their shows to try to revive uh, careers of some of their infamous Fox News personalities and right-wing politicians. Fox has, of course, not said anything about this incident. So my question is, with Fox News continuing to impact elections, spread misinformation, uh, advocate racism and racist views, should we start to boycott all their other programming to get them to start to change? Uh, and will that actually do anything? That was Robbie. Well, I think Fox is doing the work for you because Rudy Giuliani is no longer beloved by all. He's a toxic nut job. And as far as being a performer, um, I think that my favorite performance from him so far was um, in the Borat subsequent movie film. Absolutely wonderful depiction of Rudy in that. Um, But I honestly hope that maybe Rudy will perform a cover of the booger man is coming. (laughs) The booger man. (laughs) We should reshow that clip. We should have that on. (laughs) Dr. Robin, your thoughts. I mean, you know, the way this world works is people don't listen unless you hit them in their pocket. So, you know, if you start to you know, redirect those funds, those those um, advertising funds to, you know, things that want to be seen, those are the things that get promoted. So, you know, that's the only way to respond is until you hit them in the money. Yeah, Ellen. Yeah, I, I agree with Dr. Robin. Um, but also, I think that... We can count on at least a little bit, uh, affiliates of Fox News to just keep, to just keep doing self owns. Like, you know, they, they, the stuff comes out. Like, Bill O'Reilly show, Bill O'Reilly didn't need to be like, you know, his own stuff came out. He was a creep, right? Nobody Mm -hmm. needed to specifically cancel his show because the world just came to hate him. So. (laughs) 
you know, these, these <laughs> hooks are the worst. I think that, I think that, you know, same, same will happen to Tucker. I think that, you know, these are shitty people and that will come out um, because of the power of the internet. Um, so you're saying I can keep watching the mass singer and cause I do like the show. I was going to say you should stop watching the mass singer cause that show sucks, but um, I like the show. You know, I like I like uh, the whole guessing behind it. It's kind of fun. Uh, anyway, all right. So I can't. So, so I, this so harkens back to Rebecca. Harkens back to Rebecca. Don't throw at your TV, but stop watching shit with this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. This isn't a problem for her. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. All right. Those are great quick fire questions. Um, let's see. I got some comments online. Uh, Jan Robinson says I don't blame them for walking out. Media continues to commit malpractice by rewarding and normalizing criminals. And people who should be shunned. And that's the thing. He is a criminal. I mean, he hasn't been convicted necessarily, but he's certainly a, a criminal. So are we calling this truth, truth lies, or shenanigans? More shenanigans. This is all shenanigans today, this week. Yeah. This is all shenanigans, yes. this, this episode. Okay. All shenan- Everybody says shenanigans. All right. Good stuff. All right. Great topics. Let's jump right on in. We are really over on time today. I kind of figured we might be, but let's get into our game show. All right, guys, today's game is quick and dirty, really simple. The app quick and dirty will give you a fill in the blank or other statement. And then a random letter. You must shout out a word starting with that letter to fill in the blank or answer the question. The person with the most accurate or funniest response, judged by yours truly, gets a point. And the person with the most points gets the final thought for the show. For example, we have on here a bad place to get dumped, starting with the letter S. You know, I don't know. Sunday scores. Shitter. <laughs> Shitter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going yeah. there. You dumped. So uh-huh. I, I would pick Sunday school in this uh-huh. for example. <laughs> All right. So are we ready? Everybody ready? Let's start it. All right. Way to a man's heart. Starting with the letter C. Way to a man's Chicken. heart. Chicken. I mean, come on. Come on, say it. Say it. You gotta say it. One, two, three. Say it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ellie gets the point. (laughs) (laughs) Could you could you could you repeat it, Ellen? I I I wanted to make sure you heard it all. (laughs) Okay, all right. Like (laughs) way to a man's heart. All right. Yep. Helen gets the point on that one. Sorry, chicken was good, but uh, yeah, I'm going with cop. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was nice. That was nicer. Right. A way to get over a breakup. All right, way to get over a breakup, starting with the letter U. Under a new one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Robbie is like speechless. I don't know. That's the right answer, but she's got the right answer. <laughs> Ellen, <laughs> Rob, what? Um... Right. So, okay, no, the, we go. The <laughs> I repeat your answer, Doctor Doctor Robin. Go ahead. Under <laughs> a new one. Under a new one. All right. Under a new one. We get under a new one. All right. <laughs> Doctor Robin gets that point. All right. Ready for the next? Go. Uh, excuse to blow off a guy. All right. An excuse to blow off. A guy. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So feel free to use it effectively. <laughs> okay. Starting with the letter V. Oh, gosh. Uh, a bad infection. A bad infection. <laughs> Starting with the letter V. Go ahead. Excuse to blow off a guy. All right. Bobby gets it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I couldn't. So one point each. All right. Reason you need a man. Reason you need a man. Starting with the letter A. Reason you need a man. Starting with the letter A. Actually, you don't. Okay. (laughs) 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 Aggravation. Aggravation. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, I'm going with, I'm going with, actually, you don't. (laughs) You don't need a man. All right. I'm going with that. All right. Something that smells good. Starting with I. Ice cream. Incense. Damn. Too good answer. Robbie is struggling. Robbie is struggling today. I'm on this struggling game. today. I'm usually, I'm usually quick on this one. Robbie is Damn. struggling. Ice cream and incense. I'm going with ice cream. Ice cream. All right. So, Robbie, ice you. Ice cream does not omit you, a smell. This is this is the. All right, Robbie, this is your last chance to catch up. Let's see. Women are better at starting with the le- blank. Women are better at everything. blank. Starting with letter explaining. E. Explaining. Explaining. Everything. everything. Explaining. Excellence. Everything gets it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is the last chance, Robbie. You are out of it. Robert, Dr. Robin, you do have a chance to at least tie Ellen. So here we go. A girl should be classy and blank. Starting with the letter D. Classy and Dr. Robin and Ellen. Devastating. Devastating. Okay, Dr. Robin tied it. Ellen took too long. Yeah, <laughs> all, right. I, all right, this is the last one. This is for all the marbles. 30, all the marbles. 30. All the marbles. Here we go. Male bad habit. Dr. <laughs> Dr. Robin and Ellen. Male bad habit. Starting with the letter Q. Quick to judge. Quick to judge. All right, we're going with that. So, Dr. Robin wins the game. (laughs) Dr. Robin said classy and dishy. (laughs) Dishy. (laughs) Dishy. (laughs) Jose said cock earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, we were all on the same page. She, she was with you, Ellen. All right. Let's get in some shots. She gets it. <laughs> Freezing. Freezing. All right. Let's start with Ellen today. Um, My shout out, as it often does, goes to University of Maryland students. And I hope that maybe this is just me projecting, but we all start building some good habits this week. Because I know I saw a bunch of little little 20-year-olds scattered across Route 1 throwing up on themselves. So I hope all those people are okay. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone, I, I hope that everyone gets together this week. <laughs> all right. All right, Robbie, your shout out. Uh, shout out to all of the protesters that are going out and doing it without really having a serious impact on your fellow Canadians. A shout out to the counter protesters who are letting their voice be heard and do no, no longer want to be occupied. And really a shout out to all Canadians. I know that this is a divisive time, but we can't lose sight that we are all in this together. 
All right, Dr. Robbins, shout out. Any shout outs to anybody? I'd like to shout out to um, all the teachers who are teaching our children and everything that they're going through and know that we parents truly appreciate you for taking them every Monday through Friday. <laughs> I bet you do appreciate yeah. <laughs> that. <laughs> all right. My shout out is to my fellow Wilson Tiger classmate from high school, Matt Loftus, who passed away recently. Um, Lizzie is actually attending his funeral right now. Um, it took me a minute to remember who he was, but uh, once I did, he, he was a really cool guy. And it's sad that uh, someone so young was taken. So sending my shout out to Matt. And our final shout out goes to the winner of our pet shenanigans of the week. Ah, Henry again. <laughs> this is this is a group favorite, Henry from Jose Vanderlight. She posted a pic of her hefty cat Henry leaning in his bed looking like a boss with the caption, Henry is just chilling on a Tuesday night. <laughs> to see all of the pets and post your favorite pets photo or video, join TLS Pet Shenanigans Facebook group going to mypetshenanigans.com. The photo with most likes and comments gets a TLS shout out each and every week. All right. And that is officially all of the time we have for today's show. I'd like to thank you all for joining us. We hope that maybe you learned something, gained a new perspective. We even got some things off your chest. We'll be back next week with another amazing guest. Real estate agent Tasha Coleman is coming back. This time is a spotlight for Black History Month. She'll be talking real estate and the Black community. community. And we'll, of course, have more hot topics and deep discussions. Don't forget the podcast is available for download every Monday. So subscribe to Truth Lies Shenanigans wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Beyond the Scars podcast. To the Beyond the Scars podcast. And the conversation is not ending here. We are going to continue to keep the cameras rolling for the after show. We only have about 15 minutes, so we'll see what the conversation is. Head over there now to listen. Looks like our winner is Dr. Robin for our final thought of the day. All right. My final thought of the day is that, you know, with everything that's going on and the very vocal group that's out there, we have to remember that they're truly in the minority and that there's a lot more people who are on the side of righteousness and that you just need to start to make those voices heard and not be complacent or complicit and don't let it get you down because there are more people who don't think like that. I love that. Great thought. All right. Thank you, Dr. Robin and uh, Ellen and Robbie Rock and our people behind the scenes always working hard to bring an awesome show. Lizzie, Nesmi, Gianni, Jose and Olivia E. But most importantly, we have to thank you for watching and listening to our shenanigans each and every week. And we will see you.